So in the Qigong form today, I mentioned protection. Talked about one side of the body being hard, like a protection. How does protection happen without closure? Qigong is energy work. And the aim, one of the themes is to keep muscles quite soft and relaxed. Um, so to allow energy to travel more freely and uh, smoothly. So if muscles are hard, they tend to act as a kind of a block to that. And some of this hardness of muscles is not conscious or voluntary, it's almost reflexive. And the bodies are systems of expression. So the way they the way they express things is energies sort of stirred up or aroused energy or something moves and the muscles do the expressing. Our face is obviously full of muscles that express things from through their particular forms and similarly the rest of the body also the muscles indicate you know aggression or submission or you know things of this or welcome the muscles kind of get the body to do things and Qigong we're trying to actually kind of relax the muscles because if they're left kind of um, they express a lot they 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 get a little bit overworked and also they, they become sort of sort of habitual, they sort of get stuck. Um, just like a stiffened, you could say. And particularly um, muscles associated with defense, whose aim is to be hard. Defense, um, you yeah. So defense is really, a, the trigger is fear something threatening, so all this stiffens up, you know, and, you know, you get that, and then probably the abdomen tightens up, and, you know, well, you know what it feels like, so that's a fear signal, around me is fearful, so that tightening up closes things down, because now the muscles are actually like a shield, so something contacts it, the hardness of the muscles will to some extent, you know, protect the fragile tissues. Uh, so this, when there's a signal, signal of, of fear, then that will tend to bring it around. Now this fear signal can be um, actual sort of what physical assault, or it could be threat. Or it could be things might break down, so I'm a bit uncertain. So it's not necessarily something happening, really, or it's something that could happen. So, yeah. so there's plenty of room for that, <laughs> that, that thing, isn't it? Yeah. Or it could be something that did happen, and I'm still in it. So I haven't really felt reassured, so I'm still in it. I'm moving around a lot, lot, you know, so say I'm moving through a city, lots and lots of people milling around. Yeah, it could be some strange characters here. Or, 
you know, you get kind of flashing lights and automatic things, I feel a bit lost, what's going on? You know, I'm late, so again, it's quite a lot of fear signals. You know, you look around, it's zero tolerance. <laughs> forbidden, no entry, no forbidden police. You know, so there's lots of it in the environment. So, oh. so that could be quite common to have some degree of that. Um, probably we go home, we kind of loosen up a bit, but not necessarily. And particularly if the fear is more kind of almost ontological, that is, my my personality's got used to feeling a little bit, you know, small or inadequate or not welcome. So I'm slightly hesitant about manifesting at all. <laughs> and of course, you can create your own narratives around what gives rise to long term anxiety and insecurity, not being welcome. So all that will have its effects that become endemic. Now, you can't switch off that fear signal until there's another signal that says, it's fine, it's great, good to see you, we're welcome here, absolutely, you know. <laughs> Don't worry, and we got your back, you're okay, you know. I'm right behind you, no problem, you know. That sense, that's protection, isn't it? You that signal. So then, because you feel protected, you don't get the closure. Because, oh, you know, release. Now, that protection is really a signal, just like the um, the, um, sense of defense is a signal, or the need to defend is a signal. So protection is a signal. Mm. How do we, so where do we get that signal from? Mm. Well, certain things are necessary. First of all, where defense occurs from the sense of fear outside, protection's more associated with something really lovely in here. I'm gathering around. So it's almost a, a love sign, a love, a love signal. See what I mean? I protect something because I think it's beautiful. It's really nice. You know? So I gather around it. So the quality is quite warm. You know? Whereas defense, I see, see fear outside. Protection, I see that which is lovable inside. So then I gather around it. So it's a different signal. You see what I mean? What are we doing Qigong? We're doing this particular form, very open, it's the inhalation, very open. So now all that soft vulnerability stuff has opened up. And the um, um, development of that is to feel really very open and no need to feel anxious and actually to feel how lovely it is to feel feel that openness and then the other movement that comes with it is the out breath where there's a protection which is signaled by something moving around 
something moving around, not shutting it down, something moving around it. And the moving around is this gesture which is encompassing, and so there's a widening to move around. Now, you know, so indicating, well, that's, um, you know, soft tissues through the opening and the moving around is the, is the role of the hard tissues. Because they're certainly a little bit tougher. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but the muscles aren't closing, locked. You see, because most of the quality of the of the attention is on that that lovely space that we're just kind of gathering around. Yeah, so you widen and gather around, protecting. Does that make sense? Answer the questions, then okay. Indicate, <laughs> signal. <laughs> mm. I don't know if you'd like to take one of these, Laura, and do what you can with that. So the question is could you please explain how the chitta can help cleanse sankharas? Is this the interface between knowing and experiencing? Also, presumably, heart-mind for chitta is different to the mind referred to, referred to for the aggregates. So, with my understanding, which is more limited than Arjun, so I'll let him also respond to this. I don't see it that the chitta cleanses the sankharas. I see that we bring in Dharma qualities that are also Sankharas, like patience or whatever is responsive to the afflictive Sankharas. Just all the things you've been allowing in just in the process of the last few days has supported your well-being, your settling, your easing, your landing, your presence. And what happens is we we start to experience innate qualities like uh, a movement of compassion. It's not a doing, it's a movement of opening, releasing, or understanding, or seeing, that is closer to the the heart-mind when it's less occluded, closer to its nature. So, the sense of the chitta is is actually naturally still. You might notice, not, not still in the fixed sense, but 
or maybe a better way of putting it is, is when the things that pull us, the sankharas that pull us away, when the afflictive sankharas were no longer co-opted by them, that's not what's leading the mind. There's a sort of natural returning to center. And that experience is naturally more easeful, peaceful. So we start to sort of taste another quality of experiencing. And that's, the, that's, I would say, the consciousness coming closer to the consciousness of the chitta. So it's a bit like Arjun was saying the other day, the, the body knows how to heal. It's the the uh, innate consciousness is very healing and restorative as we come closer into connection with the innate qualities of the chitta. So one way I see it is like, uh, it's a simple, simple image, but I'm not sure where I got this image from, but it's like a scale, it's a scale. And on one side of the scale is whatever's arising in the mind or the heart, mind, body in the present moment. Uh, your thought comes in the mind and uh, yeah, there's a ripple effects off that thought, tightening, self-consciousness. And then on the other side of the scale is the qualities we've developed, like uh, presence, uh, how to sense into receiving experience, what supports compassion, different things we develop in terms of the Dharma qualities that also, depending on how much we've contemplated what's come up or have been present with it, that, that will also arise when, that, when there's, where there's some recognition. Oh, something I've seen and understood about anger that's been cultivated in my practice before, when the anger comes up, there's a certain level of the qualities of Dharma come up as well. In any given moment, there's like this scale, there's more, something comes up, and then however we practice, there'll be some recognition and responsiveness to that. And then some things come up that we haven't really uh, uh, seen or understood very clearly, and the awareness is weaker. We can just recognize that it's just an equation and discover what supports that side of the scale to come up. And then, it, yeah, it just ripens into a more fuller connect, connection with these innate qualities of our heart, heart mind. So, in terms of the aggregates, the consciousness of the aggregates refers to, to sense consciousness. So I was, like I was describing with the um, example of the rain, sense consciousness is different to the jitter because it's conditioned. So 
there's a certain subjectivity, subjective lens. So we can notice how we are experiencing things through the sense doors, changes. Sense, sense, consciousness, contact through the eye, contact and seeing. One teacher, Sayadaw Tejaniya, here, give us uh, questions to explore, different kinds of consciousness, and he retreat he gave us this question what's the difference between seeing and looking so I'll leave that one with you <laughs> do you want to add to that well these terms chitta aggregates the, <laughs> the mind referred to for the aggregates is probably mano mind consciousness mano vijnana um, and these terms appear quite frequently in the suttas and all of them are translated as mind which is a little bit confusing although sometimes people say it's the same thing but mano's job is to scan it is it kind of counts as a sense base so what it's doing is just providing data by scanning the other senses and picking a sight or a touch or a sound or go that way and forming these objects. So the function of manas is manasikara, attention. So, oh, reminds me of a thought. It pops up to a thought, you know. So it can jig around and selects. So you can be looking at something and suddenly a thought comes into your mind and the visual field disappears because you're in a thought, because the attention shifted. So all those other sense fields are available. It's, it's attention shifts around to select which field to move into and it does it very quickly. Yeah. So that's that. Um, the jitta, seemingly when we when I review it, it seems that that which is not doesn't have it doesn't have manasikara as jitana, jitta jitana. If you look in the your chant on the um, measureless, boundless quality, the Pali says jitasa. I will abide jitasa with a chitta imbued with loving kindness. So chitta. So chitta, heart quality. And um, so then that has a suffusive effect. Where atten- attention selects, right? Attention selects something, then suffusion doesn't select something. It just floods everything, right? Does it yeah, see the different functions of those? Mm. So we might be flooded with rage, of course. Flooded with rage, our attention may be quite limited. You know, just flooded. Or flooded with grief. You know, you've got 
that's a jitter effect. Or it could be more more gently flooded, more like suffuse, which is the term used as just spreading out this kind of radiant quality or goodwill. And it's as it says, here, there, everywhere, up, down, in, out, you know, so it's not locating in particular places, just wherever. So it's non-locational. Jitter doesn't have a location. So what, what kind of, what do you mean? Well, okay, does happiness have a location? <laughs> does intelligence have a location? Right, we're talking about something that's a matter of a, of a kind of a, an form of, in, of sensitivity and intelligence. Does that have a place? No, I mean, it doesn't exist. Oh, it exists, all right. So where is it? <laughs> See what I mean, you know, with it. Uh, and on the you know, one of the kind of respected monks, said, oh, Jitter is real, but doesn't exist. Dagrets exist, but they're not real. Chew that one over. <laughs> the jitter is real, but doesn't exist. The aggregates exist, but they're not real. <laughs> because it exists means something's locatable. Reality has no location. It's everywhere. Right? So what? So that that's that's you know that's one way of <laughs> referring to chitta. Mm. Uh, now, and it's, one of its properties is it, it reflects. And we call that reflective. I think you refer to that as that innate property of stillness, knowingness. I think you refer to it as an innate jitta consciousness. Um, and that, that word of that is jnana. So jnana, knowingness. Mm. Whereas consciousness is called vinyana. Vinyana means the subject and object. It's divided. Right? Any act of consciousness generates experience of the seen and the seer. So it's, it's split, it, it fragments. Jnana doesn't do that. So it's a jitta quality because jitta suffuses it. Because it doesn't locate anything, it doesn't dislocate anything. <laughs> do you see what I mean? If I locate something there, that means all the rest of this, the jitta covers everything. So therefore, there's no location apart from everywhere. According to how great jitta is. So jitta can be constricted. So it's kind of, you know, its range is limited. Yeah. Or it can be called the maha jitta, the jitta great, great. So this is associated when its proper suffusive potential is no longer constricted by fear, rage, hatred, delusion which would cause it to restrict. 
So it's unrestricted in that quality of knowingness. Mahachitta is suffusive effect. This is associated with either these radiances of goodwill, they're called obasa is the term. Um, obasa means it's a radiant. Chattarapamanya obasa, let the radiant shine forth. Now what does that language do for you? And the other reference is associated with the with the suffusion is samadhi, suffused with joy. There's not one aspect of your body, it's not drenched, suffused, pervaded with happiness. Again, chitta effect, chitta unrestricted, just suffusing. So it does that. And all the time, it's also knowing it. It's, it's so, you might say, how can that be the case? Well, water can both be reflective, you can, and wet. You know, if you get a, a, a river, it can saturate things and expand, but one handful of water is just as reflective as a lake. It still has the same reflective property. Right? So, and that's kind of, that's such an enormous, uh, breakthrough you know because how does a, how does a jitter that's all get constricted get unconstricted <laughs> if it's not if it's not capable of doing that we can kind of try what we can to kind of generate these qualities these these um, benefit benevolent qualities but really that reflective quality remains the same and that's what we say look just because the reflective quality isn't kind of being affected by feeling. It's not, you can't constrict a reflection. You know, one raindrop is just as reflective as the ocean. That's not lost. So that, knowing to see that, oh, that. And the knowingness, this jitta quality of knowingness, oh, kind of is a sort of a still point because it's not affected by all the comings and goings and just resting and realizing that and lingering that it acts as a kind of potential for these repeated defective energies to relax because these defective qualities are only, they, they seem permanent, they're actually constantly re-engaged. So if they're, if they're no longer engaged, they tend to, dis, to release, because they're not wholesome. You see? They're not innate. So because they're not wholesome, they're not whole. They're only made tight through energy continually streaming down them in a kind of unaware way. And if we it's a sense of knowingness, there's a possibility to just, you know, to tip the balance. When we're knowing our fear and anger rather than reacting and pumping it and tangling with it. So this helps those sankharas to be drained 
or to self-drain, you could say. It's really, you know, it's, it's kind of seems difficult to, that's the way of looking at it. <laughs> so sometimes people, you know, I think Nora said, why don't you give some anecdotes? And I think I scratch my head, anecdotes and these things. I just thought something today came to mind because of the compassion. And it was on this uh, when I was in India, and uh, we were in a very crowded, very crowded railway carriage, and we were going from Delhi to Lucknow. And it was immensely crowded, you know, it's like seat was kind of luggage rack or people in it. There's people on the roof, there's people in the toilet, the whole there's not a, a single bit of space that doesn't have something human stuck in it. <laughs> bits of arms and <laughs> and uh, so it's sort of crushed in there. People, you know, and there's, you can't really move very much. And there's a guy sitting in front. And he's a businessman. He's got his suit on, and he's got his he's got his um, briefcase chained to his wrist to make sure nobody rips it off. Because <laughs> in that mesh of humanity, the hand won't come out of nowhere. <laughs> he's got this thing chained to his wrist. And he's sitting there, and we get a bit to talk, and he's going, oh, said, business is difficult. Because in, in Lucknow, there's this enormous riots going on over the, the uh, Ayutthaya, the kind of this conflict that arose around the mosque, the, the fundamentalist. Hindu wanted to destroy. So anyway, it's this enormous riot. So they basically shut down Lucknow. And he thinks, well, he can't, then he can't drive his car to, to Lucknow and park it and go to Delhi, because if he does, they'll probably burn his car. So he has to make this train trip. You know, business is difficult, he said. And I'm thinking, oh, you know. Then so he eventually crawls up, he curls over, and he just starts to go to sleep. He's got his briefcase chained to his wrist and he starts snoring away he's a really heavy snoring and i really don't i don't enjoy that experience <laughs> <laughs> oh god stuck here all night long this guy's snoring away without you know two feet away from me jammed with bodies uh, you know, get into this uh, state, and then I sort of, uh, you know, this is how it is. No, that's often that's often a chitta moment, right? I don't like it. I don't want it. It shouldn't be this way. Da, da, da. It's like this. That's that's the reflective moment, but it's like this. Nobody likes it, but it's like this. And things you don't like happen, don't they? And you can get upset about it, <laughs> if you like, but it happens. So it's just that, it's this. And, you go, oh. and then that sense of the whole sort of thing dropped away. There's a sense of just, it's like this. And with that kind of release, there's a realization all us human beings in this crowded, chaotic situation, all us human beings. And I look at this guy with his briefcase changed his wrist. 
Oh man, you are so chained down, you know, chained to his briefcase, chained to his job, and he's snoring. And I thought, good luck to you, snore your head off. Because <laughs> it's the one place you're free. <laughs> you know, free to snore as loud as you like. And kind of then the whole defense against this sound just melted away. I was kind of felt happy about it. Felt happy that somebody could just let it all rip. <laughs> so then the sankara shifted, you see, from that kind of tense state to something quite loving and compassionate and happy. The pivot point was the, it's like this. Stop. It's a stop. You see, that's how it is. So there's a very mundane example of, of, of the knowingness. And that knowingness is no, no, no location. It's just, you could say it's just here. See, because, you know, we so believe in location because most of our attention's on the sense fields, isn't it? Which you say, that's there, that's six feet away, and the sounds come from outside the window. You sure? Where's it landing? You know? hmm. Where's it landing? Where are you experiencing it? You're here. Here, aren't you? That's all here. So here has no specific location, it's always here, with different things arising in it. But the senses keep saying, oh, it's him, he's out there, that's 10 feet away, that's a guy in a house, and da, da, da. location, location, location. <laughs> the chitta doesn't do that. So naturally, it's, there's some confusions there. As we recognize, you know, we're sitting here and suddenly, oh, is my mother coming up into the here? Or what am I going to do next week comes up into the here? Right? Where's all that? So this, this is why this, um, they say this, this stuff is not real. It just exists, that's all. <laughs> It just happens, but the real is here, non-location. And all know, do you know, it's compassion. I'm the only person in the world who ever experiences compassion. I don't think so. <laughs> so that you open into that domain, which human beings have opened into since time immemorial. And it, 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 it just covers everything. Mm -hmm. Would you like a bit more light? No, thanks. I can see this. So, mm, uh, <laughs> you really, I like this. <laughs> it's subtle. You were extolling the virtues of whole body awareness. Oh dear. <laughs> was, was I really <laughs> getting on my tub thumping 
stuff. <laughs> Given that I struggle to retain focus even on a narrow object of attention, <laughs> and it's hard to, to both to bring it all of the body into awareness simultaneously and to keep such a broad object in mind. Any hints? Well, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, you can struggle to keep your attention on, on, on an object because the manas likes to dart around. Uh, because, uh, you know, the intention is what moves attention. Mm, intention to find something worth dwelling in. And that's okay for a minute and then it's enough of that. <laughs> so, so you stay on one object, how long is that going to be a source of you know, food and nourishment for each other. Yeah, well, what about the next thing? So it's difficult to maintain attention um, on, on a single object. It requires quite a lot of effort to do. Mm. Now with whole body awareness, the, uh, you know, the relief of it is it just sort of happens by itself, <laughs> kind of. Um, if we are able to just soften the need to have a focus, the need to have a focus. Mm. So why we focus is because we have a need to have a focus in order to get steady, in order to get some information, in order to get steady, some focus, some get steady focus so that my mind will be still. Yeah, but you know, it's only still as long as you hold it there. So it's the effort in it, and naturally find it hard. Meanwhile, do you have a body? Well, close your eyes. Do you have a body? What tells you you've got a body when your eyes are closed? Feel that? Feel anything? Pressures, warmth, mm, sensations, tingles, flushes, twitches. Something's there, isn't it? Now, if you um, more receptive to asking, almost asking, is there a body? See what happens. comes in. Is that the whole body? What, you know, how would you know? You probably think, okay, that's, yeah, that's it, there it is, that sense of warmth, something kind of seemingly feels sort of solid, we call it the earth property, it's a warm. And how, how far does that go? Anything above it? Above that bit? Oh yeah, some more up there. <laughs> and oh, that, no, that's the end of it. What about that direction? And so you begin to sense, you know, with that inquiry, just a subtle form. 
probably not what you see with your eyes, but a felt impression. And that felt impression, as you tune into it, it's, it's kind of vibrant, it's got warmth, it has energy in it. And energy is food. And we feed on energy. Mm. Energy is vibrant, it's food, it's warm, it's flowing. And the, you know, the jitter is attracted to it. It's alive. It speaks, if you like. It's sensitive. It's, it's important because it's telling us things like pressure, um, openness, uh, contortion, quite important fundamental signals are happening whether you're choosing to have them or not. They come to you. They come to you. So you just ask the question, do I have a body? See what comes. See, yeah. So it's a different form of, of approach. And um, see what comes. And you'll notice by some fundamental intelligence that's built into being born, it's, yeah, it's quite a certain shape, a certain subtle form. Mm. And there's, there's the space around it, or beneath it, or above it. That's the limit of it. Okay. And we're really uh, activating or encouraging the receptive sense. So that receptive sense is um, it's like, uh, you know, it's not, cho- it's just taking in, taking in. It's quite natural. And taking in sort of energies, which are food, of, mm, and if that, um, within that, within all that experience, you're sensing something that's got kind of a certain stabilizing quality to it. And it's the quality that you knew pretty much as soon as you got conceived. It's called rhythm. Boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Heartbeat, boom. You heard that, you sensed that. As soon as you started to form in a womb, there was that, the warmth, and the boom, boom, boom. Pulsation, safe, warm, comfortable, here. It's going on. And then you're coming into this, External form, you've got breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in. Whether you like it or don't like it, breathing in, breathing out. Whether you want it or don't want it, breathing in, breathing out, 
with your mean and nasty, breathing in, breathing out. <laughs> totally weird, breathing in, breathing out. Totally, <laughs> it's a very generous gift. And there's something about the steady rhythm of that that's got a comforting, reassuring quality if you absorb it. Right. See what I mean? Emphasizing that. Now, if I try to operate a different way, let's hold it, then I don't absorb it. I kind of hold it. Mm. And there's a sense of that's, that quality that allows me to feel comforted and reassured, and therefore I'm interested most fundamentally, primarily. Um, we, we lose that. Mm. You like to say anything? Whole body? So the word that was coming to mind for me was touchstone, like a touchstone. So how we steady into the experience of presence in a broader way that doesn't have a such a clear sense of doing or efforting. So it's, it's in a way, it is much clearer when you've got very spe- more specific instructions in a way the way we're teaching is more nebulous perhaps it's kind of hinting or inferring in a way and my sense is that what we practice but when we meditate is very forming on the mind so when we train our minds a particular way with a practice sometimes see this uh, again in the monastery in Myanmar and people would come and they'd they'd really cultivated this quality of being able to focus and take their mind away from the thoughts, back to the breath. (laughs) Uh, But then with the practice he was inviting, his inquiry into uh, thoughts he'd invite us sometimes, they found that quite difficult, just the thoughts happening and presence also there. Because the, the mind had been trained one way, cultivated quite well, but then it, another hadn't really been developed in a, this other way. So I, I, uh, I sometimes use this analogy of um, when I was about seven years old, I was taught to float. And uh, my swimming teacher here, he held my body up. He had two hands on my back, and he slowly took away. That was a touchstone, yes, steadying with that. And then he slowly took away a finger at a time. And so he was just holding up my body with one finger, and he took it away. So that touchstone depends on how much our mind is wandering away or caught in volitions. You know, what's enough of a a steadying influence 
could be just having your eyes open, being in the room, not doing anything. Something arrives up, I'm here. And then closing your eyes with that here-ness and seeing how that is. And maybe the mind wanders again, open them again. You just feel what works. Sometimes to me it's just touching the ground with my fingertips. So it's sort of like steadying into presence. It's uh, more less effortful. <laughs> 